namaste, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever or whenever you're watching. Um, so we have another episode today, um, and this time I think could be a lot of good stories in this because I have with me Adi Chala, who is the founder of Susagado in Goa, but prior to that has an interesting story because he was also the first microbrewer in Singapore. And it's an interesting story how we got from one to the other and back again. So um, it should be some good insight. But um, but first, for anybody, I had posted that um, Kettle Yakun, who we thought was going to join us today, um, because he's a good friend of Addy's. I basically thought I was going to sit back and just watch the two of them talk. But unfortunately, Kettle has come down with something and he's not feeling well, so he won't be joining us. But um, I think we, we, we'll get along, so hopefully he'll be better soon. But um, yeah. Means I, I I have to come up with questions. <laughs> so, Adi, um, welcome. So, um, yeah. So maybe you could give us a little background on on where you are. You're in Goa, and that was originally where you. How did you get into brewing, and then how did it end up in Goa? Right. So I'll try to run through the story real quick, and then uh, you can stop me or ask me questions uh, about any part of it uh, after. So okay. uh, I studied computer engineering. Uh, right. That was the first time I went. The college degree I have is computer engineering. Ended up working in London with a bank doing uh, software. Was exposed to real ale and a bunch of uh, beers that were not lager because at the point in India, they were just uh, lager beers, very commercial, Kingfisher and uh, similar. And uh, it was interesting and I uh, loved my time in London. But then uh, microbreweries hadn't really taken off in the UK by at by that by that time and uh, so i came back to india just resigned myself to going back to drinking lagers and whatnot and then uh, some years later i ended up uh, uh, in in america doing an mba and uh, and uh, quite close to where i lived was a tap room of a brewery and uh, i used to frequent there and ended up chatting with the brewer there and uh, it was interesting to know that uh, you could start a brewery at whatever small scale uh, that your resources allowed. And then this gave me a lot of uh, uh, motivation to look into, you know, bringing good beer to India. Because at the time, there were no microbreweries. It was just lager, like I was saying. So I got back to India from America. Um, and as I was beginning to look into uh, how the business might pan out in India, uh, I got interested in learning brewing itself because up until that point, I hadn't brewed. I was drinking a lot of beer, but I hadn't made any. And right. uh, then uh, the more I looked into it, uh, it seemed very interesting. So I uh, tried to find places where I could learn more about it. And Harriet uh, uh, Watt University in Edinburgh was a, looked like a great option. So about eight months after I graduated from my MBA, I was back at university, this time in uh, Edinburgh. And then I was studying uh, brewing and distilling for a year there. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, worked there at a brewery called Williams Brothers, which was uh, at the time one of the smaller slash bigger microbreweries, I would say. You know, they'd been around for a while. They'd been around for, I think, about... 20 years by that point, while I was working there, they'd started really small. These two brothers started in their garage, then had built it out to a fairly decent sized uh, brewery about 35 miles from Edinburgh. 
And uh, so I worked there for six months. Uh, it was an interesting brewery. It was the brewery I wanted to work at right after college because they used a lot of local ingredients uh, like heather flowers and bog myrtle and made beers that were traditionally Scottish. Okay. And this is something I was trying to, uh, I was hoping to kind of come back to uh, India and use ingredients around us to create beers that are natural uh, to our uh, geography. Okay. You know, and not just absolutely have beers that mimic, say, Belgian or German styles. And uh, so I was always interested in, of course, the classic beer styles, but also the use of ingredients and local and incorporating them. And so Williams Brothers and my time there was great. Uh, moved back to India and uh, unfortunately, microbrewery was still not allowed in terms of regulations. And then... Uh, Around the same time, I ended up meeting some of my classmates from MBA in the US and uh, Singapore happened. <laughs> One of them was living in Singapore at the time and uh, he knew I was getting frustrated trying to start in India but not making much headway in terms of licensing and uh, suggested that we should look at Singapore as an option maybe. And uh, so I did... Uh, I went for a two-week trip to Singapore to meet with him and understand the market there. At the time in Singapore, uh, there were uh, a handful of brew pubs. They were not really distributing. They were mostly targeted at the time at the expat community that uh, lived in Singapore. And, uh, and it was quite a closed world in, in, in the sense that uh, they were happy to just continue being brew pubs doing that. And uh, so we decided to uh, start a brewery. It was a microbrewery. We, we had a tap room, but we were out in an industrial area. We started, we started kegging this beer. It was called Jungle Beer. Our brand was Jungle Beer. And uh, we distributed this across uh, Singapore in kegs initially. Later on, we bought a bottling machine. But it was the first craft beer option for bars that were not a brew pub. So other okay. than the handful of brew pubs, none of them had uh, an option to sell craft beer that was uh, Singaporean. Okay. And uh, there were a few that were importing craft beer from Australia or America in uh, one-way kegs and uh, doing that whole uh, routine in terms of trying to build. But, you know, that always stays niche as long as local production isn't... Uh, uh, doesn't pick up and cater to the local demand. And so we were the first ones to provide that option to local bars and restaurants to be able to serve Singaporean beer on tap. And later on, we started bottling it as well. And was that something you'd seen before you opened the brewery that there was this market or did I just kind of stumble into that? Um, no, I mean, um, even in that initial two weeks that uh, I did, that I spent in Singapore trying to understand the market, uh, we saw that there was a market for beers, uh, for, for craft beers and better beers, because we saw the brew pubs yeah. have, yes, still a largely expat uh, patronage, but also some interest from locals and so on and so forth. But we saw similar sets of people at other bars with not much choice and, okay. uh, and also some imported uh, beers at that point. 
mostly bottled. Right. Um, so we thought there would be an opportunity. The reason we didn't want to be a brewpub is because I have absolutely no experience or interest in running a restaurant. Okay. And uh, so it was mostly out of necessity. Neither me or uh, uh, nor any of my other two partners had any interest or experience with running a restaurant. And I was at that point quite confident of starting and uh, running a brewery. And so we decided to just do what we were comfortable doing. And sure. um, that's how that happened. Yeah. Okay. And how long were you... How long were you in Singapore then? We were there from um, 2000, early 2011 to about 2014. So uh, about four years. Right. But so that was... And then, the, okay, so, and that was, as you say, it was the, the very first. What, what was it like when you left? Was it, is there a big scene there now? Or? Uh, now there is. So uh, when we were there... Uh, Many of the challenges that we faced was one of the primary ones was that craft that beer on tap at outlets was uh, very closely guarded by the two big brewing companies. One was Tiger, which is Heineken's uh, 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 local brewery yeah. company in Singapore, and also Carlsberg, which is brewed in Malaysia. And uh, they tended to have exclusive contracts with bars and for bars to trust a new brand like ours outright and say no to Tiger was a big challenge. Right. Because Tiger refused to sell them beer if they had any other beer on tap. Yeah, that seems and to be so, a, that yeah. seems to be a story around the world. Yeah, I think it's changing slowly, and at least some bars are now uh, finding the courage, or they have a vision that uh, uh, you know shows them that. Uh, their customers want better than commercial lagers on tap, and so that has helped. Uh, but this was uh, the initial stages in Singapore, and we weren't really um, instilling too much confidence then because we were fairly unknown. It wasn't until a couple of years in that we won a few awards, and that helped uh, instill some confidence in some of the bar owners saying that, okay, this is a local brewery, but it's good and it's comparable to uh, international quality and so on and so forth. Because up until that point, imported beers were good, local beers were cheap. Okay. Yeah. So that was the situation in Singapore at the time. And for us to be uh, uh, charging about the same as an imported uh, uh, craft beer, um, or about, about there, uh, was, was a bit of a challenge initially. Um, the other thing was none of the bars had any infrastructure to dispense uh, craft beer. So uh, so we had to set up kegerators at every bar that we wanted to sell our beer at. So this added a lot to our uh, investment and capital and uh, restricted how quickly we could grow into uh, our brewery capacity utilization because we had to constantly invest in bars as well. And uh, and service and line cleaning and everything else that goes with having your own infrastructure at a bar. Okay, so I guess that brings to the the big question. Then, if you've you know if you're investing all that kind of money, mm -hmm. and then you know it, it's a big investment, you're getting it there, but then you packed it all up and moved. <laughs> moved. Yeah, absolutely. So um, 
Brian, what had happened was about four years in the market got very fragmented because Singapore doesn't have differentiated taxation between beers brewed in Singapore or imported beers. It's a uniform duty. And uh, what happened during those during that time is because the entry barriers are so low in Singapore, a lot more importers started bringing in beer. Okay. And uh, a typical importer would have something like 40 different brands. And they were okay to sell 100 liters of each brand. Okay. But for us to be a single brand and in, in, a, in, a, in a bar try and sell a decent enough volume to make it worthwhile to service that bar became a very big challenge. You know, bars that when we started had just Tiger and nothing else on their menu, by the time we finished had so much imported beer that Jungle Beer was one among 50 beers on their beer list. And like, was the fact that it's such an international city then were people looking, did that mean people were kind of looking for beers from their own country rather than local Singaporean craft? or Not particularly old country, own country, but there is obviously a huge... Uh, positive brand equity to uh, say beers from Belgium and beers from Germany and you know depends on how brands play into that and there are also of course the whole uh, range of uh, US craft breweries which had already got enough scale that they were able to manufacture at a very competitive price and uh, for us in Singapore to be literally importing every little bit from bottle caps to bottles to even the labels that went on and all the raw materials we didn't really have a price advantage to being local because we had a very high mortgage and we paid electricity in singapore which was quite expensive so it didn't seem like singapore was the best place to scale a manufacturing company because singapore itself wanted to kind of move into uh, seemed like they wanted to move into banking and other more high income generating activities for the country and they weren't really looking to promote local manufacturing as such uh, because during this time we began to also try and export our beer to Thailand and Malaysia and uh, as far as New Zealand but it was very tough for us to compete with other products uh, which were much cheaper to make than ours in other countries okay so so then that led you to, uh, during that time, the rules, uh, I'll take a little step here, because obviously India is such yeah. a huge country in the first place. Yeah, it sometimes right. escapes my mind that, you know, it's, it's, it, it's like loads of little countries with its own rules, whereas I'm used to Ireland, which Absolutely. has just 5 million people, and, um, you know, yeah. I'm used to the country has one rule. So um, right. that takes me a bit. But um, so, yeah, so India, or at least Goa, had changed its rules. And that was where you wanted to be in the first place, is it? Are you from? A bunch, a bunch of states in India had changed, had begun to change their rules. And um, meanwhile, um, Singapore, we just—it was tough to hire people. That was another factor. I mean, I could go on to the list because it's never easy to, uh, you know, close a business. Uh, we did make money in the end, so that was some relief. Uh, that was like a silver lining, but it was not great because we didn't want to go in there, make money for four years and leave. The idea was to build a business. Yeah. And so it wasn't a happy situation when we shut. Uh, but uh, but we made some money there, which allowed me to then come back and independently 
establish something in India. So literally, I packed the entire brewery onto three containers and shipped, shipped the entire brewery back to India. Um, <laughs> the only thing was the bottling line, which we sold back to the uh, manufacturer in Italy who, from whom we'd bought it okay. because they had a customer in New Zealand called Kereru who wanted urgently to buy a very similar bottling line. And All I right. said, I don't need it urgently in India. So, you know, and it was a good price. So I got shipped directly from Singapore to New Zealand, uh, <laughs> although I sold it to the Italian manufacturer and they resold it to the other guy. But anyway, I wasn't involved in the second half of that. Right. So, um, yeah, so then you moved back and had you, like, did you have to start all over again with all the process or were you able to do, like, yeah. pre-do all the licensing before you closed one? No, or... no, no, because uh, India, uh, when it comes to alcohol, like you suggested earlier, every state has its own regulations and different states had begun to pass laws that allowed for small-scale brewing. Um and it took me a while to understand uh, the situation and how it was evolving in each state. Uh, for instance, right now I'm in um, Hyderabad, which is a city in Telangana state, uh, where I have a, a brew pub in partnership with another bar here. So I have two breweries in India right now. So, right. Uh, so in Hyderabad, for instance, microbreweries are uh, not allowed to uh, distribute beer. So we can only brew and how much ever we can sell at our pub. And that's it. Okay. Nothing can leave the door. So even at home in Hyderabad, uh, I end up having to buy bottled beer from the store because I can't bring my own beer from my brewery uh, to my house. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so the laws can uh, be a bit uh, strict and bizarre at some times, uh, seemingly bizarre at some sometimes. But, right. but okay. so but Goa let, let's go to Goa because that's where you start yeah, that's where yeah. you, you went up and that's where your main yeah. one is so yeah. you went to Goa and um, then yeah so you had to start all over Goa, again Goa premise. was one of the states and still the only state which allows microbreweries to distrib self-distribute and in any format so in Goa we're allowed to keg we're allowed to bottle we're allowed to can whatever we want to do there's a flat excise rate, same, almost flat excise rate between whatever format we want to uh, package in. And we are free to distribute within Goa. We are free to export. We are free to, uh, okay. to other states in India. So it was the most open environment and regulations uh, that any state had at that point. And it continues to be the most open uh, up to date. Was that a factor in choosing it or was it because you wanted to be there and it just was a lucky coincidence? Uh, lucky coincidence. No, okay. I, I picked it mostly for the business. And of course, it's a great place to live. So I have uh, no complaints about how things panned out. It's a, it's a beautiful uh, part of the country to be living in. And uh, it has a very vibrant uh, food and beverage uh, market and industry. A lot of people from elsewhere in the country come come to Goa to experience different cuisines. And so we find them at uh, a very, we find them to be very receptive to new beers and beers that they haven't had. Uh, because as things stand in India, they're just a handful of cities that have brew pubs. And beyond that, craft beer hasn't really percolated 
uh, to the wider population. Um, and so when we find uh, a lot of Indians come from outside these five cities or five regions uh, and experience craft beer, there are a lot, they, they are, they tend to be receptive when they come to Goa in okay. terms of uh, new cuisines and new beers and new drinks and so on. And uh, so Goa has become something of a hotbed of new FNB concepts, not just breweries of which a few have opened after us, but also the gin culture in India, for instance, the craft gin culture uh, is evolving out of Goa. And, okay. uh, and a few other craft beverages are evolving out of Goa and uh, restaurants as well. Right. Yeah. I wonder, yeah, is that, do you think that's because it is like a holiday destination, people are going there, or the, the, which comes first? Are people going there because it's there and then they're receptive to all of this, or is it, are they going there because? You know? Bits of both. Uh, one is um, there is a taboo associated with alcohol across much of India okay. in terms of alcohol is bad. In, in fact, the excise department which regulates alcohol in Telangana state where I am now is called prohibition and excise. <laughs> they, are mandate, they are mandated uh, to work towards an eventual prohibition. Okay. So, so, and this is not uh, uncommon among many other states, although for now we are allowed to, but uh, because that is what the general uh, mood and psyche of the Indian population is. Not many people uh, drink alcohol and it, uh, and, and it varies a bit from state to state and region to region in the rest of India. But uh, Goa would be among the places where it is most acceptable and there is no taboo as such. Okay. And getting a bar license is very easy. Uh, just ballpark perspective, in Goa, to get a bar license uh, for an annual bar license costs about 400 US dollars per year. Right. In Hyderabad, that is about uh, 80,000 US dollars. That's a... Right. Yeah, that's... So it, is, it is very different in terms of who is getting into this business, how many bars there are, how easy is it for a restaurant to have also a bar. So in Hyderabad, it is very common for restaurants which are really nice have a lot of food options and everything else to not have alcohol at all because it is a very big overhead unless they want to invest in a bar program they just don't bother right yeah whereas uh, i'm just giving you one example of uh, hyderabad now but uh, you know uh, and telangana state but um, <clears throat> things are changing governments are uh, becoming friendlier to alcohol as they see people's consumption of alcohol is more controlled and self-regulated because uh, like with everything else, the more you try to regulate and uh, uh, the, you know, the people aren't as well-versed using them appropriately. I mean, I don't know how to phrase it. Like say, for instance, the Netherlands has marijuana and they have, as a result, much lower drug yeah. use. Uh, as a consequence, because people are a lot more responsible in how they use and uh, enjoy some some parts of what's allowed and regulated. So I think the more taboo anything is, the uh, less uh, familiar the population becomes with responsible consumption. And I yeah. think the dialogue needs to be about responsible alcohol consumption 
and not about trying to restrict and ban it. Right. Um, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you just have to take the, the big example of, you know, US prohibition that kind of drove everything. People went from drinking lots of beer to drinking lots of um, hard, you know, hard spirits then, as far as I understand, you know. Absolutely. I mean, and that's where we are at in India, where you can uh, get for less than a pint, you can get a, a quart, we call it. So it's a 180 ml of whiskey is far cheaper than buying a 330 ml of beer. Yeah. And yeah. And, and the effects, if and you're after the, the effect. Blue right. collar worker. Yeah. Yeah. And for your average blue collar worker in India who wants to just have a couple of drinks and sleep, uh, they are going to reach for that whiskey every time. Yeah. 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 Whereas what I'm seeing, uh, talking to a lot of people, is that there's a, outside of India, like there's a craft beer when it started in a lot of the US or England or that it was aimed at, it was differentiating itself by being very high alcohol, whereas now people are much more interested in the kind of the low alcohol, non-alcoholic beers are kind of coming into vogue a bit because people Absolutely. are much more relaxed Absolutely. about it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'll just... Just mentioned since we we're talking about it here, um, Marcus Williams just had a, a comment that he he liked that that whole story about that you cannot buy your own beer. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. perhaps he's visited some parts of India and been similarly frustrated. <laughs> uh, Marcus, if you have, you can tell us. But um, yeah, it, it's it's a weird story. Though I did hear just recently that that the US is, some states have very similar rules that you can't they have to sell through a distributor to themselves to their own tap yeah, rooms. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody has their own strange things. So then, yeah. so then, so sure. you're, you're set up. You 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 have your brewery in Goa. You're after opening your brew pub at an awful higher cost. In mm -hmm. <laughs> um, at, what was that? Two hundred times more more for the license or whatever. Um, yeah, so yeah. where are you going with it? Like, what, what is the the beer scene? Are, are you where are you focused? Or you know. What kind of beers, I, I suppose, let's go back a bit. What kind of beers are kind of more popular there now? Or is there a difference between the two locations? Um, um, yes, there is, there is some difference. Um, in Hyderabad, we are usually able to sell uh, beers that are uh, at 5% or over. We sell a, a couple of our beers that are 7.5% are quite popular. We have an IPA. We also have a stout, which is uh, an export stout. Uh, so that's at seven and a half. The legal limit for beer in India is eight percent. So we can't. Okay. We can only dance around that range. Right. Yeah. No imperial so, uh, then. No. No. Okay. Not really. Uh, and uh, because in Hyderabad, although it's a warmer city than Goa, predominant most people are drinking in the air-conditioned space of the brew pub. Uh, whereas in Goa, it's a uh, very open beach vibe. You will find that most bars and restaurants do not even have an air-conditioned section. It's okay. all open. Uh, the weather's great for uh, about six months a year, six, seven months a year, it's great. Uh, another three months, it's bearable. It's just two, three months that it's uh, actually very warm and you can't sit outside uh, comfortably. This is Goa. And so in Goa, we tend to have a lot more uh, Lighter style, so we make a goza, which is very popular. Uh, we make pilsner, we make a lager. We don't even bother with a stout. We make a porter instead, so that it's something a little easier. Okay. Uh, even if you're having it on a you know warm tropical evening, then you're sitting outdoor. You typically don't want an export 
export stout or an imperial stout or anything else. And so, so the beer styles in general are a little different. Uh, in terms of uh, how exciting it is to be able to do new beers, I think we still do more new beers in Hyderabad because at a brew pub, it is always easier to do new beers because you just need to wipe out a blackboard and write it. Whereas <laughs> in, 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 in Goa, we are selling at now 150 different bars and restaurants. Right. We are on their menus. Our beers are there. And we need to deliver them those beers. And it's not very easy for us to go through the motions of creating a new beer, a new label, having that registered with government. And then, you know, the cycle of getting them onto all these menus at all these bars is a very long cycle. And so we try to um, have a permanent range of just about six beers. So we don't do too, too much else. We have two or three seasonals that we supply to just some of our draft customers in Goa. But by and large, it's six beers that we sell through the year. And this has not changed in two years. And four of those beers have been around for six years. So we've okay. only added two beers in, in the recent past. Okay. And yeah, that, that, that kind of surprised me because the, the you know the, the trend everywhere else is that people just what I keep hearing is that people complain that they cannot sell a beer twice because people are just going on untapped and yeah, yep, yeah, I've yeah. had that one, I've had that one, and they just go yeah, through. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, I think we'll get there. You know, uh, I visited Singapore again uh, um, in March this year, and things have changed. A lot of bars have their own taps now, and they have their own, you know, fifteen or twenty taps uh, uh, at at even fairly modest sized bars, and. Uh, they want to constantly have different beers on tap and so on and so forth. So I think it's an evolution of the market to have enough choice. Uh, since we've opened now, there are three other microbreweries that have started business in Goa. And uh, so possibly if someone were to open a bar with 20 taps now, they could have uh, a choice of uh, 40 beers to choose from for those 20 taps. And then keep yeah. it interesting but as things stand there aren't any bars like that in goa okay okay so uh but i mean there, there's a lot to be you know there's an awful lot to be said as well for perfecting that beer you know for getting it right and that and it sounds like your interest in kind of generating new beers your any interest in doing that is what you're doing in your second one in hyderabad um yeah but even in goa we try to do if there is a real uh uh, need as as we've seen our volumes grow and we're very confident of the volumes of our existing beers has enabled us to introduce new beers. For instance, mm -hmm. we had for the longest time the only lager we had was a Dortmund style, fairly medium bodied uh, malty lager, and uh, so when when demand was enough for our beers, we introduced. Uh, Pilsner style, but then made it more interesting using bread from local bakeries around us, uh, whatever is left over. So in Goa, everyone gets bread delivered every day, like okay. newspapers or milk in other places. So bread is delivered twice a day in every village in Goa. So at the end of the day, uh, all the unsold bread uh, comes back to the bakery. And so there are three bakeries close to our brewery from whom we buy all the leftover bread every day. Stick it in our cold room, and we brew this uh, Pilsner style beer with it. So we've been doing that for the past two years now. Okay. Um, 
but uh, but again once we've dialed that down that when we don't change that beer now that beer is what it is okay actually i'll just show here since we're on the topic aaron asked about flavored beers and limited editions mm. i think in india people uh, still refer are still uh, use interchangeably beer styles and beer flavors so when uh, a, a lot of times i am asked how many flavors do you make and so uh, i think it is important to make a distinction first that it is not flavors a uh, a stout is a stout it is not a flavored beer it is yeah. a beer it it is it is intrinsic all all the flavor characteristics of a stout are the characteristics of a stout it is not a flavored something else so i think this distinction is still uh, important to make in india uh, having said that we do have uh, beer styles with non traditional ingredients outside the malt hops yeast uh, uh, trifecta uh, so our wheat beer instead of using uh, orange peel and uh, coriander we use uh, mango pulp okay so it has a very a lot more tropical uh, aroma not so much on the sweetness because most of the sugars from the fruit are fermented out by the yeast uh, but uh, we do have uh, and the goza we have uh, a local fruit called kokum which is a sour fruit and which goes very nicely with the whole sour salt balance of a uh, goza and uh, so we do try and localize to some extent uh, uh, i guess we flavoring them locally but these are not uh, i want to reiterate they are not artificial flavors they are not flavored beers they are designed to have yeah. those flavors really you know, uh, yeah right. and so I, i take it from that um, that there is no kind of um apart from the 8% there's no kind of regulation of what what constitutes a beer is that there's no kind of like they're not relying on the german purity laws like well, i've seen some places do have no 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 there was uh, there was some discussion about this uh, brian about 3 uh, years ago because the uh, they had very detailed uh, it was the food safety authority the fda food and drug administration which had very detailed uh parameters within which beer had to fall in terms of clarity in terms of uh yeast cell count in terms of even carbonation okay. and it was a very narrow range largely uh relevant uh and defining of uh, commercial lagers because i think when they were making the laws around food safety uh they just adapted the parameters that were acceptable to a commercial industrial lager and uh, adopted them as the parameters that beer should fall under but okay. uh, subsequently uh, uh, us with the craft brewers association of india have been able to uh, put across our view and uh, change change those and add another category for craft beer which is uh, which allows for us to not pasteurize or not filter the beer if we choose not to okay because okay. the earlier laws were a little restrictive uh, but now um, now now it is uh, a lot more uh, open in that sense. and is that across the whole country or is it state by, or is that within a particular state or do you have to fight that battle state by state no the food food safety is across the whole country okay so that that was in delhi and that's applicable across the entire country uh, stuff uh, like food safety is uh, at the country level so what is actually at the state level is, uh, is the taxation 
right. and the licensing, right? But food safety is uh, central across India. Okay. Um, I mean, you mentioned there earlier, way back when we were talking about Singapore, about Belgian beers, you know, people bring in Belgian beers because they were known. Is that a style? Like, are those styles popular? Because the ones you've mentioned are like Lagers, Gozas, um, mm-hmm. I don't know what else you mentioned. But you didn't like, there was no doubles or triples or... That well, kind. one, we are restricted by the 8%, and two is the weather here. So we can't make anything over 8%. So we could make a nice saison. We have made, uh, as a seasonal beer in Goa, a saison a few times. Uh, but there doesn't seem to be too much uh, need for a double. We could maybe do a double in Goa as well uh, at some point. But uh, like I was saying, anything over 8% is not uh, allowed in India. Yeah. And uh, so that really restricts us from a lot of the more flavorful Belgian styles of beers. Uh, so we we aren't able to make those yet. Um, all right, I'll just, just just before I forget here, I did have there was um, Naveen just did show. Um, he just want to say he was in your outlet in Royal Enfield. I don't know where that is. <laughs> that that's one of our customers in Goa. Okay, let me. All right. Okay, it. so he was there here. Okay, there it is. All right. But um, seemingly it's disappeared from there. So in 2022, hopefully it'll be back. Uh, I guess. I guess that's, a, that, that's I think uh, perhaps not looking in the same place because <laughs> the, uh, the bar is exactly where it was. Right. Ever since it opened. Yeah. But um, yeah. So I let me see what was I going to say before I brought that up. Um. Yeah. So the the. No, sorry, I'm forgetting. I lost my train of thought there on the way. Um, yeah, we were talking about Belgian beers and and all of that. So, what? Sorry, this is it. This is the question I was going to ask. Home brewing right. is home brewing big there, or is there is that heavily regulated as well, or is that kind um, of where a lot of the craft beer drinkers are coming from? The big, brew- no, big, no, definitely not. Uh, it's not big. It's just started taking off in terms of interest in the last maybe three, two to three years that, uh, maybe the year preceding COVID. And I think during COVID, a lot of people were home. They had a lot of time. And so I think that gave it a boost in a way. Uh, more people got into home brewing during uh, the pandemic. And, um, but uh, it's not big yet. And it is not uh, as common in the US. That's not where the craft beer drinkers are coming from. These are people who are well versed with craft beer. Mostly, it is uh, Indians who have studied abroad in in America or in Australia who happen to have brewed at college in their dorms or whatever, done a bunch of home brewing there, and continue the hobby back in India. There isn't a very big push to uh, get new people interested in it. There are small communities around Pune and Bombay, Mumbai and uh, Bangalore, but uh, outside these three cities, I don't think there is much of a craft, I mean, a home brewing community right. in India. Uh, ingredients are available. Yeast is available. There are a few suppliers. You can order them online. Uh, I myself have a Brewzilla kit, uh, which I imported through one of these guys just to try and uh, make some test batches at home, 20 liters at a time. Uh, so these these are available now in India, but uh, I don't think uh, they've really taken off in the same way as they have in other parts of the world. 
Okay, okay. Yeah, because that's obviously where an awful lot of the actual brewers come from. They start right, off this right, and just right. look at stuff like they just have this this urge that they have to brew and so might as well make it bigger and try and sell some of it in, in many cases. Yeah. So do you think that that yeah. is how's that gonna how's that gonna evolve so in India if there do you think it will come from people who want to who who like you say travel and try out new mm-hmm. beers and come back and demand them or will it will home brewing be kind of start to take off and then that will drive breweries or where where do you see the the industry going uh i i think it will be from the bar owners uh realizing that there is a demand for this and more and more of them taking a punt and having the courage to have their own infrastructure and i see this happening in bangalore and i see this happening with maybe a handful of bars in goa where they've invested in their own tap systems and they want to encourage different craft beers and gear the entire bar towards uh, craft beer and build their food and the experience of the bar around beer. And uh, so far, that is largely restricted to the brew pubs, of which there are quite a few. Hyderabad has about 20. Uh, Bangalore has over 70. Um, Pune and Mumbai have maybe 20 each or so. Uh, Gurgaon has another 50. So there are a lot of pockets of India which have a lot of microbreweries. But as things stand, they're all brew pubs. So there are a lot of people drinking craft beer of varying quality uh, because every brew pub has its own attitude uh, to beer variety and quality and why why they're doing it. Not not everyone is in it for making good beer, shall I say. A lot of people are looking at it very much as a business and they will make three kinds of wheat beer if that's what's selling. And, you know, not not bother with having a range of beers that you would expect from a, a good craft brewery elsewhere in the world. Um, so there are uh, a lot of those as well. Right. Um, and does that... <coughs> excuse me. Um, and that, like you were saying, at the... The official line is basically to go towards prohibition, but do you think obviously India has like a huge number of potential ingredients, unique flavors, you know, mm-hmm. it's got food culture, it's got everything. So there should be a huge potential for export, you think, like, you know, there's something you can bring up new to the world, but they're not encouraging that that's not encouraged or? Um, not particularly. Uh, the government does not, no Indian government, either at the center or at the state, wants to be seen to be pro-alcohol as such. So uh, uh, it is, uh, so they don't promote it. Most government loan schemes for from banks, for instance, there are no loans available to people in the alcohol industry. You just have to kind of generate everything yourself. Uh, so, so in that sense, it is still uh, different than running any other kind of industry within the country uh, and different from running a brewery business elsewhere in the world. So there is not much support from the government to do these. Uh, but uh, what we are doing at Sosegado is actually uh, going out and brewing Sosegado in other parts of the world. So we did earlier this year uh, a two collab brews with two different breweries in Singapore. And uh, yeah, one of them is already out on tap and then the other one will be out uh, in June. And um, 
and the idea is to slowly introduce the brand there through collabs but also then contract capacity in singapore and start brewing there so okay. me or my brewer will go there every few months for two weeks brew a bunch of uh, different beers and then hand them off to the distributor to sell over the next 2 3 months and then we will continue to run it like that for now okay. and, and you think that that is probably the only way or one of one of the ways to well it is a it is a way brian i don't i don't think the only way it's a way that uh, doesn't involve too much capex and i think uh, most parts of the world now there exist breweries that have spare capacity so uh, i don't think a prudent business plan will involve investing in new equipment i think that money can be put to better use to have a stronger marketing and distribution presence and uh, i think there's better utility for that money than buying stainless and um, so we're doing this in singapore we plan to do this in uh, lisbon uh, later this year so we will start to have sosegado in europe as well before the year's done but uh, but we aren't planning to establish breweries there or we're not going to send beer from goa to there okay. that's not the idea the idea is we will we will send key ingredients like the kokum and uh, the mango from goa to wherever we are brewing uh, but i think the rest of it uh, we aren't because most of our malt is imported anyway a lot lot of mostly from europe uh, hops come from all over the world it doesn't really make sense for us to bring all of that to india and then send it abroad i think the more efficient and environmentally friendly way is to brew where it's going to be consumed instead of chipping what is essentially 95% water all over the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so and are you going to do those as will they always be a collab like with the other brewery mentioned as well or are you planning on doing just your know, pure Sosegado brand or we are going to do pure Sosegado brands starting in June we are going to start brewing them in uh, Singapore for instance. Okay. So collab was just an initial way to kind of get the brand in the market. Okay. but uh, but yeah the 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 short even the medium term plan is to have susegado beers exactly the same as we have them in goa in other parts of the world but not brewed in goa okay actually the, that's that's the question i forgot i should have asked you at the start susegado i don't know what does it mean or where does right. it susegado um um it is a gone state of mind of relaxation and contentment and uh, you know uh, I, i like to call it the unhurried pursuit of happiness okay. you know everybody is fine then you know everyone's nicer to each other it's the default state of being in goa it is derived uh, from uh, portuguese words meaning quiet life i think uh, okay. i don't speak portuguese so i think that's where it comes from but in goa it has come to be one combined word called sosegado and sosegado is the state of being it and uh, so it is the it is a word that is unique to goa and it is the goan state of mind okay okay that's yeah that, that's a pretty good name um so i i don't know i mean that that's been a huge amount of information there i'm really fascinated i'm looking forward to seeing some some beers around here is there anything you is there anything you would specifically like to see changed in india or something on the rules i mean obviously probably not that they'd like thought that they're aiming towards prohibition um, but like is there anything else that, 
that you think will no, change? Really. I think, you know, in terms of the food safety uh, uh, authority allowing us to be to to even be receptive to listen to the craft beer industry, which is still quite small in India in comparison with mainstream brewing. We are not even a fraction of a percentage right now. And so for them to take time out to listen to us as a whole and bother to change food safety regulations across the country to enable us to continue doing what we're doing, I think that's a huge step in the right direction. Um, uh, elsewhere, I don't think we need a big regulatory push as such. I think it's more a market uh, evolution which will happen, which I see happening and it will happen. I don't think... Uh, uh, I don't think a drastic regulations change is going to suddenly wake up consumers to craft beer. You know, right. craft beer will, it, it will come. There are many other things that need to go with it. And I don't think there's anywhere in the world where the government has been a cause or a catalyst for craft beer being very popular. Right. Yeah. So, and I guess... Um, sorry, I'm still just thinking about this prohibition thing as well. Is do you think that will is that a name only now? Like that people are saying, look, we're not going to we're not going to prohibition. No, but it's just there are now. states of India which are, have no alcohol. Okay. Yeah, so there are some states which have delivered on their mandate. Big okay. states. So, so there are there are parts of India where uh, alcohol is prohibited. Okay, okay. So it's not yeah. just a leftover thing that, oh, you know, just, no, no. just the name. So, and is that, a, well, it sounds like that's not extending. It sounds like it's going the other way that people are at least, are becoming more accepting of beer at least. And yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we are a democracy. So I think the government is going to reflect the sentiments of the people. And as, and as alcohol becomes more acceptable and people are, uh, get better used to consuming alcohol more responsibly. I think there'll be less of a uh, demand from the voters of India towards, uh, you know, policies that uh, like prohibition, for instance. So I think uh, I think yes. the governments are moving in that direction. I don't see, uh, although I'm not an authority about the local politics in every part of the country, at least uh, in the in the parts of the country where I am in, which is mostly South India and West like Maharashtra and South India, um, I think prohibition is not going to happen anytime soon. Right. Um, but I can't say the same for everywhere else in the country. But at the same time, it's going to take a while for the beer acceptance, to, for people just to see it as an everyday drink or, you know, a, kind of a, a casual drink as opposed to a going out, getting drunk, necessarily drink. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to take time, but it's changing very rapidly. Urban India is very different in terms of its, uh, you know, outlook to the rest of the world. Everybody has internet on their phones. People know what's going on. Um, I think uh, in 2006, there was an inflection point where now more than 50% of the country is urban. Okay. Um, so so there, things are changing. It's not that uh, urban India is just this small bunch of 10% uh, or 5% of the population urban India is the bulk of the country now. And so what happens here, uh, it might percolate down very slowly to the rural parts of the country. But I think just even in urban areas, if it becomes more acceptable and available, I think that will be a huge market and uh, in itself. And I think that is going to happen first. 
before the rural parts of the country or the smaller towns in the country um, wake up to craft beer. And yeah, and craft beer, like you said, is the thing. So yeah, so just just one other question. I'll let you go because you've been kind of generous on your no, time there. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, sorry, because I mean, like I said, India, it's, it's I think it, it is now the biggest country in the world, isn't it? The most populous, it passed China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This year, I think earlier this year, I was. Yeah, that's what I thought. Where um, the was decided it was earlier this year. <laughs> It, yeah. It'll take me a while to get used to that too, because for my whole right. life, China was the big one. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. These, these are things. Uh, yeah. hey, I'm, I'm still getting used to the fact that there's five million people in Ireland. Never mind that. <laughs> Never mind the other numbers. Yeah, Hyderabad has 14 million just in the city right here. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, but anyway, sorry. But is the demand so? Like we keep talking about craft beer, and you said it's a tiny fraction. But so that means the big brands are still. The thing is, there any look of people? Is it driving the craft beer that they're just looking for a new experience, a new flavor? Are they looking for something more local, or do you think there's any one of those is driving? I think it's not there yet. Right now, it is more about uh, trying something different and a little adventurous and wanting something new. And uh, to that extent, even Kingfisher, I think a year or two, two ago, started making a wit beer, which for the, which was new for them was for the first time that a big brewery in India had made uh, anything other than a lager. Okay. And uh, now AB InBev is making uh, Garden in India, right. uh, which earlier was only imported. And so there is some demand, and I think that will, uh, well, it's not craft beer, but I think it gets people uh, aware of options beyond lager. And I think that is an important first step towards craft beer. So that is happening. Yeah. Okay, okay. Okay, well, listen, um, like I said, it's been a huge informative um, chat. I don't know if there's something I should have asked you that I didn't ask that you you feel... Well, you know, we can do another edition uh, a few months down the line. I hope Chattel is better by then, and then maybe some other people from India I could round up to something like this. Yeah, I mean, if yeah, because I don't know. Yeah, it would be great to have, to have that, and especially if Kettle was nice. Um, so maybe I'll just leave it at that so thank you a million for for the time but yeah i'd love to love to chat again some stage if we if we can find a, a topic or just a chat to, to have because this was this was very much kind of a background on an introduction to indian brewing really for me um right. which i knew nothing or or almost nothing about so um, mm -hmm. it's fascinating and i think we did have some questions we had comments there and that so we had some um naveen as well by the way just did say that it was nice to hear your experience and to to hear how far you've come on it. So I think I can... Well, lots, uh, lots further to go, I'd say. <laughs> right. Well, I'll be looking out for the... Um, you'll have to let me know when Sosagado is available. So when June, whenever it is. Or yeah, where yeah, it is. yeah. Is that no, going to be... Is that going to be just... I think Lisbon is a little further later in the year. All right. And is that going to be distributed across Europe or are you just keeping it in Portugal? Initially, no. Initially, no, Brand, no. I think we're just going to... Uh, we're planning to have our own tap room initially in Lisbon, a small tap room to start selling okay. it and then maybe to bars in the region. Because um, I think we, you know, the resources required to distribute and effectively market a craft beer uh, across a wide region, especially in a very fragmented market, uh, are huge. And I don't think uh, we can expect the sales volume to justify that kind of a marketing spend uh, anytime soon. So I think we are going to 
focus on micro markets and grow like that instead of trying to plaster an entire region and hope for the best. Okay, so then I'll have to go to Lisbon because um, that, yeah. there's a few, but there's a few nice breweries there, so I think we could add you to the list. And um, I, I absolutely, absolutely, visit a lot of very nice places. Um, yeah, Portugal is has some nice breweries there as well. So yeah, but I, I hear it's still early days. You know, yeah. by and large, people are still drinking lagers and whatever the lager, sagres, and super bomb. Yeah. And stuff. But, yeah. Well, uh, even uh, beer is, I think, relatively smaller because it's wine country. You know that. Right, right, right. But it's, it's perfect weather for beer, though. So yeah. I think uh, I, I expect uh, that it will uh, wake up to beer in time. Yeah, I think it slowly is. So you might be moving to uh, uh, Portugal from elsewhere in Europe. I think a lot of people are moving to Portugal. Yeah, um, it, no, it is. It's it's um it's a very vibrant place. I mean, Lisbon is very vibrant. I haven't been there in years, but um, uh, yeah, th there's a lot happening there. So um. Yeah, so it sounds like you're going to be a bit of a pioneer. There's a few breweries in Lisbon, but from what I understand, talking to some of them, like it's, they are small. They are, um, you know, they're very friendly. They're all very helpful to each other, and but there's small tap rooms there as well. So it sounds like having been the pioneer in Singapore and Goa, you could be one of the not not the first, but one of the first in Lisbon. No, as well. we, we don't really care to be the first. We want to be a good part of the community, the brewing right. community. So uh, I think. Uh, as long as we are helping others uh, to get where, and uh, and you are a part of that community as well, you are helping promote craft beer everywhere in the world. So thank you, oh. and uh, yeah, so uh, yeah. it'll be great. Yeah, hopefully someday we have a beer together in Lisbon or Goa or Singapore. Yeah, yeah, yeah that would be nice. There's like I said, Lisbon and Singapore. I've been to, but not for a long time. But I haven't been to Goa, so maybe I'll. We'll have to try well, to that's be on your list then. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Listen, Addy, um, thanks a million. Thanks a million for your time. Um, yeah, hopefully we will chat again soon um, and have that pint. In the meantime, um, yeah, people, if you if anybody wants to say thank you, we've a couple of listeners or viewers still left. If you have any last questions, please do put them in there. And I'll just tell people that we're check out the, the other um chats we've had. We've had some interesting ones. And next week I'm going to be talking to Kenya, um, the oh, wow. Owen Flynn from he's actually an Irish man who who has one of the the main breweries in Kenya, so that should be an interesting story as well. So um, hopefully people will join us, and um, yeah, okay, I'll I'll say goodbye. Thank you, Addy, and um, talk to you. Soon. Thank you. I'll just play this out. Um, we'll